Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, party people, welcome back to Zero Dark Nerdy, the galaxy's favorite pop culture podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, betonline.ag for all your sports betting needs. And our good friends over at Sailfish Comics, three incredible locations for you here in North Carolina. One right here in Greensboro across from Best Buy, one in Winston-Salem, and one in Concord right outside of Charlotte. Be sure to check them out for all your comic book, graphic novel, action figures, Funkos, the whole nine yards. If you're into nerdy, geeky stuff, I guarantee you they have it. Again, that is Sailfish Comics with two S's. Be sure to check out all three of their locations as well as their website. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very, very special treat for you today. If if you are watching HBO Max right now, the one thing you need to be watching is the Golden Boy two-part documentary. Sabah and I just checked it out a couple weeks ago, and we have the production company as well as the director of the film, Fernando Vienna, a.k.a. the V-Man, according to Archie and our good friend Archie Gipps, back with us here on Zero Dark Nerdy Podcast. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Yeah. Great to be here. Thank you. Of course. I just want to say, let me say one thing before oh, we start right asking ahead. questions. Right ahead. I am historic. I'm a huge boxing fan. Mm-hmm. My Growing up, my brother-in-law, um, he, I, you know, I used to go over to my sister's house and we would watch boxing coming up. So I've been following Oscar de la Hoya since not necessarily since Barcelona 92, but definitely shortly thereafter, I would say roughly 95, 96. And then obviously throughout the remainder of his career up through the, the Pacquiao fight. So, you know, this definitely came as a, you know, we had all seen a lot of the stuff that had come out through the media or whatever, but getting a glimpse uh, into the, the the golden boy persona and hearing it in, in Oscar's own words. I mean, just the idea behind this thing and everything that you guys did, the way that you shot it, where Oscar was always in black and white and just everything about it was uh, it was amazing. And I just want to say that before we start asking questions, how I'm a huge fan of unrealistic ideas. And Archie, you know, I give you a lot of shit, man. But (laughs) I'm telling you, it's getting to the point now where it's like when you see unrealistic and unrealistic ideas production, you know that it's going to be a banger. And I just want to tell you that we're huge fans of you guys. Fernando, huge fan of your project. And I just wanted to say that before we get started, how how amazing I thought it was. And just thank you guys for being on the show today. No, it's super kind of you. Uh, I think Fernier might be muted. Um, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, um, yeah this is at, at, when you run a production company and you have to oversee a lot of projects, you always have the highest expectation for your projects, but they're only as good as the people that are running it or directing it. And the potential for this documentary, we always thought it was really high. And Fernando took it to a level that blew my expectations away. I mean, so far past, I always thought it'd be a great doc, but to the level and the expertise and the craftsmanship that he put into this, you know, obviously we're we're helping. And David Wendell, who is our head of docs, every second of the way was working with Fernando but it was really, I mean, a testament to Fernando, his vision, his passion for the project that that just turned it into a great project, into a phenomenal project. 
Yeah. You know, um, before I started um, doing a lot of research, and I was like, oh, what, 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 what projects has Unrealistic done? So I was like, oh, well, I'll start with McMillions, right? Then I saw it, and I was like, oh, man. Well, first of all, it has, I, I, I have to aim higher than that, right? You know, because I'm always trying to aim high. I was like, that's really, that's really good filmmaking right there. I was like, oh, shit, what are, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this, right? But, um, you know, I wanted to keep the to keep the bar of unrealistic work. You know, I wanted to meet that bar and hopefully, you know, maybe even help elevate it, you know, because, uh, you know, um, from the very beginning, I knew how serious, what serious filmmakers they were. Did, Fern, did you know Oscar prior to the start of production on this? Like personally or? Yeah, what? yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, personally. no, no. Well, not at all. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a real boxing fan either. Oh. You know, I grew up watching boxing, but I, you know, like essentially since Oscar became Oscar in 92, I haven't really followed it. Cause that's kind of when I went away to college and, yeah, sure. and uh, couldn't afford cable TV anymore. So, um, or, or pay-per-view. Pay so yeah, so I stopped <laughs> watching fights. Um, but no, I wasn't, I didn't know him personally. Didn't know much about his, his, his uh, career. Fun fact: I didn't even know about the the photographs. Okay. The, the fishnet fo- photographs. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. They, I was like, guys, have you heard about this? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we know all about it. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So for me, it was like a big discovery. The whole project about him and his life and everything. I mean, I didn't. We didn't know. I knew about him, of course, as like a celebrity. I'm not a big boxing fan either. Mm-hmm. Really, the person on our team that was the knowledgeable one when it came to boxing was Mario Lopez. Yeah, right. Uh, who was a great, you know, he was our partner on this, his VMR, his company with Jeff Stearns. He knew every single fight, every Oscar, and he's obviously great friends with Oscar, but he would be, like, oh yeah, that fight and this round and that. And so he was our resident expert if we ever needed, you know, one as far as looking at it from that perspective of like, is this going to entertain the boxing fan because we knew it would entertain the non-boxing fan based on Fernando and I not really being, uh, you know, huge boxing fans. I mean, I I've watched the majority of those fights, the Tino, the Tito Trinidad fight through seven rounds. He was up big. He, he basically skated his way back the last five rounds of the flight of the fight. And that was really the beginning of sort of his, Descent, then obviously Mosley beat him, all that. I mean, guys, I watched every single one of those fights live at, in real time. So watching this like took me back on a journey through my 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 you know formative years and in my 20s. So it was amazing. Let me add Brian, I know you want to jump in here, but I gotta ask this question. Look, you you Fernando, you filmed it in such a way that you allow the the audience the viewer to make a decision about how they feel about Oscar de la Hoya in the end. Right. Like I, I think all good filmmakers, especially when you're a documentary filmmaker, you don't want to slam it in, in, in sort of nudge the audience in the right way. Was it your intention to have people walking away asking themselves, wow, is Oscar de la Hoya a scumbag? Is he a tortured soul? Is he misunderstood? Like there's all these questions that I had. Obviously, I'm going to save my opinion of, of how I feel about him because, you know, I'm not the best because I hold de la Hoya in such reverence because I watched mm-hmm. him for so many years. Right. 
But I mean, was that your intention to sort of let the the audience make their decision and to film it in a way where they could almost go any direction? I that's a banger question. That's like the question at the heart of this whole matter, right? It's like how do you present Oscar to the world, right? In 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 this documentary, and um, you know, there's one thing you said that I don't necessarily agree with. I think a lot of documentaries, right, to today do want you to feel one way or another, right, right. They do have an agenda, whether it's you know a topical documentary about you know a Me Too movement or something like that, or you, sure. you know. Um, so I, and I do think a lot of movies about celebrities do do treat their celebrities you know, differently, right? They don't sure. put them under that harsh of a microscope, right? And I say we because this was a group effort, right? We thought we had a lot of discussions about everything to do with the creative process and everything with me and Archie and and and, and David Wendell and, and the rest of the creative crew. So it was always a group group effort, right? How do we get to the to to the to the heart of this? But um yeah, I mean I didn't want to I don't want to skew anybody's opinion. I, I, I wanted I wanted everybody to be able to speak their mind, right? And some people have commented that, you know, there's uh this this project humanizes Oscar to a certain extent. Mm. I find that to be a really curious statement because I don't I, if you told me right now to humanize somebody, I wouldn't know how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, like I how do you humanize a human, right? So so I think I think what they're responding to is the fact that we're not judging Oscar necessarily. We're letting him speak. We're letting yeah. him kind of tell his story, but we're also letting his kids tell tell their stories. And his we're letting family, his yeah. father, his father and his ex partners and people, you know, that that you know have a more complicated version of who Oscar is, sure. right? To tell and I think and I think what it is is you paint a fuller portrait of the person. And when you paint a more detailed, full, fuller portrait of somebody, I guess people take that as humanizing. Right. right. Because I think what, what the, the net effect of that is that, you know, you see somebody from different sides and 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 you're going to be able to connect and empathize with somebody, maybe somebody who you don't necessarily agree with the things that they've done in unexpected ways, because you might have been in that situation. Sure. And maybe you don't want to tell anybody, but maybe you behave similarly. Right. Or whatever. Uh, but I do think that um, we never wanted to judge Oscar because that would have been. You know, that would have been easy to do, right? You know, like uh he wasn't around to raise his kids and all that, but there but he had a very complicated, difficult, traumatic upbringing. Yes. And and I mean you saw him in the ring, you saw those fights. He was a tremendous fighter, but he also uh provided generational wealth for his family. And, you know, he's been retired for, you know, fifteen, 15 years, years now or so. Yeah. yeah. And and he's probably doing better now financially than he did then. Like, how many boxers can say that, right? Not many. And and but this is a kid who didn't even know about at 18 years old how to save money. Right. So while he was in the ring, all those all that time he was learning about life. He was learning about how to become a businessman and and taking his lumps. And um, yeah, it's a it's a big story. And and you know, we wanted to uh, we wanted to be very specific about how how to tell it. Yeah. But to speak to what Fernando is saying, though, I mean, the the humanizing of it, it's really, you know, Fernando asked fantastic questions that Oscar gave honest answers to. 
But the really brave thing on Oscar's part was allowing Fernando to interview the other people in his life and mm-hmm. got get not get the not most flattering, you know, statements out of them. Sure. And that's really the humanizing is Oscar being trusting us enough. And really, that was Mark Wahlberg. You know, my partner basically was like, hey, tell the truth, man. Let the truth come out and, and you know, let it it's going to all be good. And it, and it has been because people again. People are willing to forgive, you know, if you're out there and you're honest about your real self. And so I think that a lot of that's what speaks to a lot of why people think this is a really special documentary, because it isn't a puff piece. You know, it's not like Fernando said, like a celebrity or a sports doc where you're getting bits and pieces, but you're not really getting you're not feeling a specific uh, you're, you're not torn. Like, wow, I don't know how to feel about this person. Usually like, wow, this is the greatest person ever. And right. I think that, you know, Fernando and the whole team obviously did a great job in just let putting all the truth out there and letting, letting the audience make their decision. Grab your seat. All that's left is choosing butter or no butter as if that's a tough decision. Every movie, every feeling, every time, that's Fandango. You're one stop before showtime. Buy your movie ticket now on the Fandango app or on Fandango.com. Hmm. Yeah, that, that was one of the first things I noticed when I when I texted Saba. I said, have you seen this yet? And he was like, no, not yet. He was on vacation, getting ready to come back. He was like, I'm going to check it out as soon as I get back. And I told him, I was like, this is probably one of the most honest, straightforward documentaries I've seen in a very long time. And not just from the person that it's about, but just like you said, the interviews you could tell like there was no holds barred. It was like, hey, give us your take. Here's we want to see every side of the story. There wasn't anything partial to it, which to me made it more special because, you know, like Saban and I, we talk about this all the time uh, on a lot of our episodes. Nobody's perfect. We we all make mistakes, right? And I mean, some that we can live with, some that we regret. And I mean, you you could tell he has obviously a lot of regrets, you know, especially when it comes to some of his kids and things like that. But seeing that honesty and that openness not just come from him, but from the others around him as well was very special in that. And I got to say, I, I, you know, I try to keep an eye on just the little things. And I have to say, Fernando, the when you were in, in like when you're watching the documentary and you when you're introducing people and they look like title, like fight, like fight match cards. I thought that was just like a very super nice touch on there. So, you know, I just got to applaud you on that. It's just, and to me, I'm like, I'm, I'm all about the little things and little things like that, especially growing up, like, like Saba did at boxing was predominant in our household as much as we could afford it, or at least, you know, steal somebody else's pay-per-view password or what, whatever it was uh, we would do. So, um, you know, with that, with that being said, was this originally the statute of limitations has passed, <laughs> right? Right. And this was also the eighties too. So those, those times have, have been long gone. Um, with that being said, when, when you were editing this and everything else, was there a part that you just said, Hey, this is going to be part one or part two. Was there originally a plan to maybe do a four part 30 minutes long? What was that process like when it came to, okay, is this going to be a two part, you know, hour, hour and a half, or can we make this a four part half hour documentary? Well, I think originally um, I, I, I wasn't part of the development mm-hmm. and Archie can speak to this. Obviously there were, there were more episodes in the original kind of um, conceptualization of the project. Um, and then when, uh, when I, when I, when I started, it was, for whatever reason, it had been brought down to like a one ninety minute film, right? 
Mm-hmm. And then we uh, we spent some time writing out the the essentially a story map treatment for both episodes that showed uh, the arc of the story and and the characters and 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 you know to a certain extent like what a cliffhanger is going to be at the end of the first episode, but also it helped organize our ideas where we realized that the first episode was more about the trauma that. Oscar endured right when he was young and the second episode was more about the pain that he inflicts on his loved ones and the people in his life right, right. and um, and it's not just that but that's kind of like the organizing sure. principle of it all right and then um, and then that made sense to us and then you know from uh, it was really useful to uh, go through that exercise to um, then understand that we had two parts and this was essentially a two-part. Uh, if we were going to go like 90 minutes, it was going to be two parts or we could split it up in three. But but this was kind of like the amount of story that we wanted to investigate, right? So, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, it takes a little bit of a, a prep to get there. Sorry, sorry Fernando. I was going to say a lot of it also is the way HBO, you know, they had tremendous success with the Tiger Dop, which was a two-parter. Mm. Yeah. So they really encouraged us to to go with that two parter as well, similar to that. Okay. Okay. Now, in terms of of your connection, you know how how did it all come about? Because Fernando, I know you got you know twenty eight editing credits to your name. You've done a couple documentaries yourself. Is is did you already have you know as far as you two, Archie and Fernando, a relationship beforehand where you were just like, hey, maybe we should give this guy the reins on this role? I'd love to hear how this all came about because as I mentioned during the pre-show, we saw the beginnings of it in season one of Wall Street, um, you know, where where, uh, it was Mario Lopez and and Oscar coming over, you know, pitching to you and Mark about the idea of the documentary and then seeing it coming to fruition, you know, especially after this is when we first met Archie, for those of you maybe just tuning in, that was our first episode we did was talking about season one of Wall Street. So I'd love to hear about your backstory and how you guys got connected in all this. Yeah, we started to like, like exactly like you said, we started developing this. I guess it must have been 2020, right? Because it was during the beginning of the pandemic. I met Oscar over a Zoom with Mark and and Mario, and that's documented on the first season of Wall Street. And so we started, you know, obviously legal things and getting into putting the deal together. And then David Wendell, again, you'll hear that name a lot. Uh, he put together a deck, uh, which basically was pitching what we thought what our vision was for the documentary without what we normally do at our company is David and I talk through the story and we put together a deck that we use to a attract either buyers or directors. If we feel we need to direct attach a director in advance with this, we felt that, you know, Oscar's story was so strong that we could probably um, sell it directly to a buyer without having a director attached and then have the buyer say, oh, here's some directors we'd love to work with. And that's sort of what happened. We had a couple of names that we wanted, but um, uh, Bentley over at HBO, um, she was working with Fernando and is like, hey, we're working this with this guy on Dear Rider, which was a, a documentary about Burton, um, the snowboard, uh, why am I skip spacing on his first name? Jake Burton. Jake Jake Burton. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. Uh, which is a phenomenal doc. If you haven't seen it, check that out as well. And so we watched the doc um, and we dug it and we met Fernando and we thought he was awesome. And 
we had Fernando meet Oscar and they two hit it off. And that's kind of the way from my point of view, how it went down. Maybe Fernando, there was a different, you know, you saw it from a different perspective, but that was. No, it's pretty, pretty much the same. The only thing I would add to it is that I actually texted Bentley after I saw the tiger doc and, uh, you know, was just texting about, uh, about it. And, um, and, you know, I know people have issues with that doc, but I really love it. You know, um, with the limitations that that they had to work with, I thought it was fantastic. So I was just chatting to her about it, and that that's what she brought up, uh, De La Hoya. The interesting thing, interesting thing about that is that I was living in East LA in 2020, right? Because my okay. wife um, she had a house there, so it's like blocks away from where Oscar yeah. was running around and and his gym and everything. So uh, it was it was. It was really interesting in that sense, right? Because I was immersed in that culture. You know, I was going to those restaurants. I was walking my dogs. You know, you jogging the same path that Oscar jogged. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was born in Boyle Heights, but, but yeah, but it's still it's East LA, and uh, and um, but yeah, I met I met David, I met Archie, and uh, and then and then of course I went I went to meet meet Oscar and. And that meeting with Oscar, you, you know, it was, uh, yeah, it was interesting. We talked about if there was anything that was off limits and he said there wasn't, you know, there wasn't. That's awesome. It was. Yeah. And he, you know, and he kept his word. And a lot of people say that, but then they'll be like, Hey, sure. you know, you know, don't, you know, I don't want to talk about that, but you know, he talked about everything. It wasn't was, always comfortable, but yeah. 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 I mean, for him though, it was like, it, you know, he kind of talked about it or somebody talked about it. It was almost like a, like a cleansing for him to let the world know, you know, in his own words, right. This, this whole golden boy thing, it's fucking bullshit. Right. And, you know, the reality is right. The relationship with his mother, very back and forth. Right. I love her, but there was sort of, um, you know, some challenges there when she would get upset with him. His father has his own challenges. There's a cultural challenge. Him and his brother had a weird relationship. Like just the fact that in, and then the kids at the end in the second episode, right. Where, you know, he sort of manifested the things that happened in his life maybe was a result of, of how he, his relationship was early on with his kids. I mean, the fact that he was just open to talk about all that, the fact that you said it, Fern, that he was willing to let, other people provide dialogue and narrative on the things that he did, ex-spouses, all that. I mean, look, it's it, it's as raw as it gets, but you know, you got to give Oscar a lot of credit because he is a very um, charismatic individual. You know what I mean? Like when he's on, there's nobody that that's better. But he 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 washed all that away and was just very sort of honest, open, and attentive to the camera. And it was look. It's one of a kind, man. You guys did a phenomenal job. There's nothing else I can say. We had, well, just when, if you watch the doc, obviously you see these incredible interview setups that Fernando and his DP set up. They're beautiful. The Bob Arum is like, they're awesome. They're, they're yeah. incredible, like tableaus and they're beautiful. And that was originally at the beginning, HBO wanted us to have those beautiful for Oscar too. And Fernando, again, to his credit, we saw he was starting doing some interviews with, with Oscar. I we watched some of the dailies and I, I turned to Dave. I'm like, holy shit. This is like, this is like a therapy session. This is incredible. Like the way that Fernando shot this, it's so intimate and raw. Like 
And Fernando, of course, was like, yeah, let, this is what I want to use. And this is that way it feels so much more intimate and and personal with Fernando, where everything else is much bigger. All the other interview setups are there's more distance and it's beautiful in color. And so that was like that blew me away when I saw that interview for the first time because it stripped away a lot of the pretense because Oscar is a is a he's a promoter. So he's got all that bluster and sort of machismo going on. And to strip that away in these interviews is absolutely the secret sauce, I think, to the to the project. Yeah. And the process lasted over a year. You know, there were like 30 interviews, 50 hours of combined footage. And, um, you know, as we learned new information from other people that were interviewed, then we'd, then I'd go back because all the interviews of one-on-one, it was, it was, it was just me and him. And then, and I would ask him about new stuff that came up. And, and so it was always evolving. It was always evolving, but I knew he was highly media trained. I mean, he's been in front of the camera since he was like 16, 17 years old. Sure. And but what I didn't realize that when I started was that he's he's used to opening up to the camera, right? More so than people close in in like his his close family and friends. That said, I don't think he ever went through this process. And I knew I knew we couldn't have a bunch of lights and and producers yeah. running around and, and people helping them and makeup and like like that would have just it would have it wouldn't have gotten anywhere. There was just too much story to cover, too much ground to cover. And I wanted to give him like space to, um, you know, if he was in a bad mood that day, be in a bad mood that day. I don't care. Let's just roll. Right. And see when, see what happens. And, and sometimes that worked, that really worked. Right. Like a lot of times there's a, there's a subtext of what he's saying to the things that, that he, that he's, 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 he's talking about. It's also like, it's hard to get people like that off their talking points, you know, like, are used to talk are used to talking about their life story right it's hard to get them after their, their, mm-hmm. their talking points and i think the best way to do that is is just do it slowly and methodically right and um but he was game he was game and i you know however you feel about oscar as a person i hope people can appreciate the fact that he did what he did like he went through this process and he did open up and he did allow people to um be totally candid about their relationship with him. And I, 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 I takes a lot of courage. Getting Bernard Hopkins was great too, by the way. I just want to say that. Love, <laughs> yeah, love, love Bernard Hopkins, boy. And he'll tell you anything you want to hear. And, and, and that, I thought, even though he was only in a very short period, they talked about, and I don't want to give too much away because we want people to watch, but Oscar brought Bernard Hopkins into Golden Boy. Listen, that's not bullshit. The world looked at that as sort of, such a move, a smart move by Oscar. And that really changed a lot of people's opinions of him because Bernard Hopkins, that body shot, he dropped him with in the ring. I mean, that, that was the first time that people saw Oscar, you know, he was banging, ah, you know, he was crying. And he, I, you know, I don't listen, Bernard Hopkins hit me with a body shot. I'd be worse. I wouldn't get out of bed for three weeks. But the point is I, I loved that part uh, because it was, it was very real. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with it 100. Anyway, I don't want to. I don't want to give too much more away. Brian, you got anything else? <laughs> um, you know, just a question right here for, for Fernando. So this is your your fourth film as a, a director. Uh, I believe your first one. Just look back. It's, but yeah, the first my, my first directing project was uh, was Any One of Us, which which is on HBO as well. That's right. So yeah, so Any One of Us was done in 2019, and you do this mm-hmm. one like soon after. And I know you have a couple in between. 
How do you feel you've grown as a director in this space? And is this a space you want to stay in? Well, that's a great question. You guys, you guys have some really great questions here. Um, I think uh, tremendous. Like I've grown right. from where? Like the first, my first day shooting on on any one of us, yeah. I was like, "What do I do?" <laughs> I was like, I, 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 I turned to to the producer and I was like, right, "Am I supposed to say some something now, or just let them kind of do their thing?" And he's like. We'll talk later. Just let them do their thing, right? Um, and uh, uh, so, yeah, I've come a long way. God, it's like the most important thing in life is confidence, you know? Damn right. But you, yeah, there is a little bit of faking it till you make it, right? That that can get you so far. But, I mean, confidence, you only get by experience and by getting knocked down, getting punched in the face, right? And like, oh, I can take it, you know, and we get back up and, and trying things, and I'm not afraid to try things. That's the one thing. I'm not afraid to try things. I'm not afraid to fall on my face, and and um, you know because I do try and and create an environment, a work environment that's open, and 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 people can just say their minds. And I love I love collaboration, as, as Archie knows. Um, but uh, I think confidence is key, and that comes with experience. But I did come in with with a certain skill set, and that's editing. I can I can get in the ring with anybody. I feel, on, as as an editor, but uh, where aspects that I had to learn, you know, on, on the visual side, on the graphic side, on on music side, you know, because I've always had input, but it's never been my call, right? So now it's like, oh shoot, now this is my call. Like I have to be to be more. Um, thoughtful and and specific about what I'm seeing in my head or what I'm not seeing in my head. Right. And, um, and I think uh, it's all, it's an ongoing process. It's an ongoing process. And then we, Archie and I were, were, uh, went to dinner with Bentley and, and, and David and Abteen a few months ago. And uh, yeah. And, and Archie did mention something, which I'm not going to say here, but he did mention something that I can improve on. And I was like, Oh, and I wrote, I, I did write it down. <laughs> But because uh, I want to get better, I want to get wow. better, you know, and I want and I, and I love and it sounds cheesy or whatever, but I love living in the moment, you know, and I, and I love experiencing everything. And to me, direct editing is great. I love it. Right. But directing is way more fun. Archie's more used headaches. to Arch- <laughs> go ahead, There's more go headaches, ahead. but it's way more fun. <laughs> Archie's used to getting feedback and constructive criticism from his business partner. So it's good to see that you're learning from that. And now you're passing that along, Arch. <laughs> no, I, I was going to say that. I mean, look, I, I thrive off of constructive criticism. And, and Fernando, to his credit, is one of the few directors we've worked with that I think is at my level. Like, we, I give notes and it wouldn't be like, yeah, okay, whatever. It, everything was thoughtful. It's like, okay, well... I hear you. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Like, it wasn't just like, I'm not doing these notes or it wasn't like, I'm doing all these notes. It was like, let's discuss these things. Let's make this project better together. And that, that is not an easy thing for a director. Right. Uh, trust me, I've directed projects myself. And a lot of times your ego gets in the way, a very specific vision that you have in your head for like two years and someone else comes with an idea and you're like, shit, that is a really good idea, but I don't want to change my vision. And it's like, but Fernando is always like, found the right path, you know, and especially we had an incredible uh, time making this film with him. And yes, to what you alluded to, we absolutely would love to uh, 
to work with him again. And we have plans on, on some projects in the future that we have earmarked for Fernando. So hopefully we can get those things across the line. Well, that's, that's a good segue. And I don't know how much you guys can talk about it, but you know, what is next for, for you guys, for both of you? I mean, are there things that are, that are, you know, in production or near the close of production that you can share with us, either of you. And I mean, we well, know like, the strikes going on, so you may be limited yeah. to what you exactly. So if you can't say anything, we understand. Right. So we get it. I'll tell you the first thing that Fernando and I have going on, which is a fantasy football league, <laughs> which will be hotly. One of the reasons why Fernando and I get along so well is that, as you know, I'm a diehard Jets fan. Fernando, unfortunately, is a diehard Dolphins fan. So we go at it. In a very playful way, uh, we have we have a bet on the season, I believe, right? I think. Yeah, our bet is uh, that uh, like whoever gets more uh, MVP votes, Tua or uh, or uh, who's your quarterback? Who's your quarterback again? I forget. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whoever whoever gets most, yeah, whoever gets the guy who least amount of MVP exactly votes, they have to pay for dinner. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, to me, this is one lethal combination right here. So I'd love to see more UI Fernando collaborations definitely going on in the future. Um, one question I'd love to ask, just because, uh, you know, kids are going back to school here in about a week or so. We're going to have a podcast episode coming out soon on some favorite movies based on school, whether high school, well, primarily high school. And, you know, we can start with whoever wants to go first. Is there top three movies that you have just based on school in general? Well, first of all, it start, school started in L.A. Monday, yesterday. Goodness. Yeah, not on the we're already, East Coast. We're already back in the thick. My kid's going to kindergarten now. My daughter's in second grade. So, Fern, you, I, I have about 50 of them. <laughs> top, top, three, top three top three, uh, schools about, I mean, movies about school? Scripted, yeah. Script, yeah. Script, I'm, oh, okay. Scripted, 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 right? Yeah, scripted. Yes, scripted. Yeah. Okay. Um, and school just has to be part of the story, or the yeah. I mean, the main part of it. Yeah, but yeah, the main part of it. Uh, yeah. I mean, Breakfast Club probably probably mm-hmm. be right up there. All mm-hmm. right. Um, All right. Taps. Ooh, I love taps. I never thought I'd hear. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and the uh, and election. Good ones. All, All right. right. Okay. Yeah. Well, your turn, Archie. Your turn. Nice. You can't talk. You cannot talk movies about schools without just bringing up the great John Hughes in general. I mean, the guy was mm-hmm. the master. Yeah. So, you know, absolutely. And my my number one of his is 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 I'm going to go with Sixteen Candles, nice. which is again a little bit off the beaten path. You got to go with Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I mean, come oh, on, man. forget about it. But my number one, it's not dead set on high school but it definitely revolves a high school senior risky business okay (laughs) little tom cruise tom cruise all right i still i still quote uh princeton could use a guy like joel (laughs) because that's been the story of my life i can never get into princeton just on the normal grades but you do a little of the extracurricular activity and uh you might be able to do great things all right, Archie, I got one more for you. I know you guys got to run. I know you guys are really busy. You talked about the Jets. Yeah. You know, his famously, famously, right? Your business partner is a huge New England Patriots fan. I, I don't think I, everybody knows it, right? So, what's it like, really, probably for the first time in, in definitely in your guys' relationship? 
but for the first time in two plus decades for his team to not be better than the Jets. How is, how is he coping with that? And more importantly, how does it feel knowing that you're sort of the cream of the crop or at least one of the, one of the teams at the top of the division there? Wahlberg is, he's a very smart man. He, he'll, he'll never give me that grace. So first of all, he's like, you got Rogers, you guys are looking good this year. You're looking good. Because he's setting me up for the fall. It's yeah. a Jet fan. All they have to do is if the Patriots beat the Jets once, he's going to claim victory. And mm. I can't blame him because the Jets have to sweep the Patriots this season. They just have to because they're going to – best case scenario, they split the Dolphins and they split the Bills. They got a gauntlet. All the teams in the AFC used to have a gauntlet. But you got to play the Chiefs. You got to play the Eagles. You got to play the Cowboys. You got to play the Giants. Um God, I'm, I'm missing. I mean, there's so many crazy games. Chargers. Playing. Chargers, the Raiders, who knows? But the the Broncos are back. It's a it's a gauntlet. So um, I, I, I do not rub it in his face. I never will. And even if they do, I never will rub it in anyone's face. I just want I just want a playoff victory. That's all I'm yeah. for. I know. I'm not greedy. I'm- I'm, I'm a Browns kidding. fan, man. I know. I get it. We we got our one Browns. And, and, and that's the thing. So think, put yourself in my shoes, right? So two years ago, right, we demolished the Steelers, our house of horrors in the playoffs. Dream scenario. So my point is, I'm rooting for you, Archie. I'm rooting for you and I'm rooting for the Jets. All right, listen, that's it. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Archie, we appreciate your your continued support of our show. You keep coming on. You know, we I, we got to go through an executive assistant and all that now. It's, it's We've come up it's the hard. last couple of years. It's, it's harder <laughs> than ever to get to you, so we appreciate you making the time for us. And, Fernando, you are definitely friend of the show, man. Thank you so much for being on. We are going to follow your career. Huge fans of what you do, man. We will continue to support you. Thank you guys so, so much. Uh, thank you, guys. Yeah, seriously. And that's going to do it for this episode of Zero Dark Nerdy, the galaxy's favorite pop culture podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, betonline.ag, and Sailfish Comics with two S's, with three locations here in North Carolina, one in Concord, one in Greensboro, one in Winston-Salem for all your geeky needs out there. Big shout out to our website sponsor. That is our good friends over at Zibster. That is Z-I-B-S-T-E-R who can take care of all of your website as well as SEO needs. We've been using them for the last three and a half years now. And I got to tell you, we have never been happier with just the ease and use of our website. SEO friendly, very easy to take stuff in and out. Uh, I mean, we couldn't be happier. So be sure to check out Zipster for all your website needs. On behalf of everybody at Zero Dark Nerdy, this is your boy, Brian, a.k.a. El Nino. We'll see you next time. Peace. And anger management? Fuck anger management. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.